Please state your handle and the years you were active on AOL. My handle was Flame, and I was active from 1997 until, I would say, early 2001. Nice. When did you first use a computer? First used a computer, I, I was really young. I, my family always had like these old like Apple computers in the 80s I remember using, and then in elementary school, I can remember playing games like Oregon Trail and Where the World is Carmen San Diego and stuff like that on the old computers. So I, I basically always remember using a computer, although obviously back then computers are much different than they are now. Yeah, that was much the same for me. I, I loved Carmen San Diego. I think I learned all the capitals in Europe on that. <laughs> yeah, the, those those games were fun. I thought they were really cool. Yeah, back then they were super awesome. I think I tried to play a couple when I got when I was older and I was not as entertained. Yeah, I had loaded up an Oregon Trail like just online somewhere like five years ago and after about twenty minutes I was like, Alright, I'm done with this. I think the only game I played when I was older that was just as good as when I was younger was Contra, the first one. Oh yeah, I actually I just I just played it at a arcade bar recently and that was pretty cool. Nice. So how did you get into programming? It was just something that I, I just wanted to do after I saw people using, you know, the hacking programs on AOL. I was like, oh, I really want to be able to make those. And once I got into the scene, I just asked people a lot of questions and then went to like a mass mail or a server room and got Visual Basic 3.0 Pro and just kind of taught myself some. But, you know, just from friends in the scene, you know, asked a lot of questions and got a lot of help slowly but surely, you know, got good enough to to make decent programs. I'm not going to say I was a great programmer, but, you know, I was okay. Do you remember the first time you got on AOL? Like, how'd you end up on, on AOL? Yeah, I can remember we got the internet, I think it was like around January of 97. And we got, you know, most people who get the internet for the first time in the 90s, at least the mid-90s, got AOL. And so we got on AOL and I just remember it was like kind of like finding a whole new world, basically. It's the best way I could describe it. Like, it was just so, I just knew it was going to be huge. It already was, but like, I was like, this is, everybody's going to use the internet. Like at the time, not everybody had it. And I was like, everybody's going to use it. You could communicate with people so easily. Like now I just kind of take it for granted. But back then, like if you had friends that lived across the country, you would either have to dial long distance to call them or send them a letter in the mail and ho hope they mail you one back eventually. And long you know, distance so it was, free, right? Right, yeah. So, like, you know, times were different then, and I just loved it. I just loved the chat rooms, just talking to people. Like, I was, like, 12, so it was just, you know, I had a lot of free time, and I really enjoyed it. But then I remember there was a couple kids at school that I overheard talking about like hacking on AOL and then, you know, you, you'd always see be in a chat room and you'd see somebody load a program up like beta X or whatever. And, you know, the chat would say something. And I just thought that was cool. And I just, I wanted to get it. And eventually somebody sent me, it was either FadeX or Hellraiser. Those were definitely the first two programs I got. And I just remember sitting there ready to download it. Like almost feeling like there was like a devil in one ear saying, you know, do it. And like <laughs> an angel saying, don't do it. That's a great 
you know, like, you know, I was like, what's going to happen? Like, you know, I was just like nervous about it, you know, for the first time, then you load it up and, and you see it in action and it was just super cool. But then I ended up getting into it with some guy online. I don't even remember exactly what happened, but he was some hacker and he ended up getting our account terminated. Was it like, like the one you, your, your family was paying for or something? Yeah. Oh. And so my mom had to call AOL to get it back. And I remember that this was like right before school was getting ready to start back up. And then it got terminated again. And I didn't even like want to say anything. So my parents didn't really use it. Right. So like they like wouldn't have even noticed, but I was just like, I didn't even want to say anything. I just like, Oh, well, there's those two hacker kids at school. I'll talk to them and they'll get me on. And I ended up giving my lunch money to one of the kids to get some usernames and passwords. And then from there, did you just learn how to fish yourself or? Well, I bought one from them and it like died instantly. I'm like, dude, it died. So I had to buy more. And I was like, I'm, I don't want to not eat at school again. So I better figure out how to do this on my own is literally what happened. That's pretty good incentive, right? Yeah. So, so I just started like fishing on my own to, you know, get some more accounts. And then from there, just found like private rooms with other people. And like, I can remember, I can remember ditching school, telling my mom one day that I was sick just to like hang out in those hacking rooms once I discovered them. They were super addicting, super addicting. Yeah, they, it really was. And it was, I don't know, it, it really was super addicting. That's probably the best way to put it. But like, you know, you felt like, I don't know, it felt like you were part of something, you know, once you started to meet some of the guys and become friends with some of the guys in those rooms. And from there, it just, you know, eventually somebody's like, oh, well, here's a password stealer, you know, you know, edit this to put your email address in it. So you start sending those out. What and type of password stealer was it? If they like logged in, it would like sort of freeze their AOL for a handful of seconds and it would email you their, their password and then it would delete the email. But it, you know, it happened quick though, but it would kind of like lock up their screen for like five seconds, maybe. Like I remember also, uh, the password crackers where like you could search uh like profiles like for some random word like to get, gather usernames and so like i hated that band hansen and i just remember like early on this would probably this was like when i first got like a decent amount of passwords from cracking i just searched for hansen mm-hmm. and i just kept getting all these usernames and i would just look up the password hansen with them and so many of these people had the password Hanson. That's hilarious. That that's that's really creative. That's kind of what got me like started after like say I fished and got like twenty or thirty passwords over X amount of time. But that was like when I first actually got like a decent amount of passwords cracking, and it was actually from the Hanson thing I did. Were you manually cracking, or or is that like, or do you have an automated one? No, there there was a password cracker. I don't remember which one was the first one I used though. I think it might have been by Pizza actually. That's interesting. Yeah, I was really big into cracking. I ended up getting into a group with a couple of guys pretty early on, and they were really good. They had a really good password list. Do you know where they got the password list from? One of them just made them like over time, or I think they kept adding on to it. Like occasionally we would talk and I'd be like, oh, hey, this password, add this one. And I don't remember how many passwords are on the list, but it was a good list. Do you know what AOL's complexity requirements were at the time for passwords? 
a lot of people just literally put their password as like one, two, three, four and stupid stuff like that. That's great. So early internet, right? That AOL didn't even think it'd be an issue. Yeah, I would, that was probably my most enjoyable time on there was cracking passwords and cracking host accounts, overhead accounts, internal accounts, like stuff like that. And I always love being able to scroll on those accounts because you could scroll and then you would, you know, you get a program that would just scroll this really cool stuff because, you know, normal accounts, if you scrolled, you get knocked offline temporarily. Yeah, or like gaggy or something, right? Yeah, but there, yeah, and you could gag people with like those accounts and just basically raise hell. Nice. You know, so I guess I wasn't in the scene my first, you know, six to eight months on AOL. But once I got in, then it was even more addicting than, you know, first getting AOL, which was addicting enough as it was. Why do you think it was so addicting? It was just so new, I think. It was just like discovering a whole new world. You know, instead of doing the same old thing every day now, like you can just talk to people. You could do this. You could read about stuff. You could do like basically any. It was like the wild, wild west on there. Yeah, it was like the learning and the trial and error and the collaboration to to build something or to say like, I did this or I did that. And people pat you on the back, right? Right. And just like, you know, with programming, like getting a little bit better, you know, it was really rewarding. Like basically every aspect was felt really rewarding, like getting better at cracking, getting better at phishing, getting better at spamming, whatever. Like there was always like another challenge, it seemed like. In some ways, it seems like just yesterday and in some ways it seems like a lifetime ago. But like I could still remember just some of the stuff that I did on there. What kind of stuff did you do? Like, I, I always love the riots. Like, do you remember the email riots where they'd be like, oh, we're having this hacking riot? What are the riots? Yeah, there'd be like, there'd occasionally be riots. And they, they, they'd try to get basically any idiot who had like FadeX or one of those programs to just go on and just raise havoc in the chat rooms like oh, yeah. every X amount of time. Yeah, no, I think I, I, I may have participated in, in some of those, but, but usually it would just be me annoying a chat room. Um, but uh, I, that, that's funny. So it's it's kind of like a room raid or something. Yeah, like I, I just remember a couple of them were really big. All the like just chat rooms would just be just there would just be so many idiots like us just <laughs> going on and raising hell and pissing everybody off, just trying to punt everybody offline. And I I don't know. Like I remember like just being in one. Like I don't remember who started it. Somebody would like start a mail chain and keep sending it out like weeks in advance. <laughs> like it was a planned one. Yeah, like, in like, just try to, like, scare people. And, like, I remember, like, they, they'd, like, send out, like, emails saying there's going to be a riot, and if you're online, you're going to get your account terminated, like, just to try to, like, scare people. Interesting. Yeah, just kind of stupid stuff like that I thought was really fun. So what programs did you make? Uh, the only one I really sent out, like, a decent amount was Austin 316 Punter. And... Uh, I, I made other ones, but like I kind of made programs like more just for me and some of my friends after that. It was like, uh, I don't know, like I remember after I sent out Austin 316 punter, like some of the guys in the chat room were like, oh, you're just trying to be AO famous. That was like their quote or whatever for like being really? famous on it. Well, so after that, I was like, OK, then I'm just going to make programs and not send them out to anybody. It was just kind of stupid. But <laughs> but yeah, like I that was. That was the main one that I had sent out. And I remember just like I had a 
Hotmail account that I had made like, you know, for like on there, like about me or for questions or whatever. And a lot of people emailed me. Really? And I thought, and yeah, and I thought that was pretty cool. And then, but then after that, I just kind of like I made, I made a resetter after that, try to like turn people's accounts. How would you like, literally like what would the code do? I it you, would, how would you term someone? Basically, you would make it look like they sent you like whatever line of text, like make it look like they were trying to fish you or just say something really like stupid and bad. And then you would go on like multiple accounts and keep sending it to AOL. And AOL would think this guy was like sending messages to all these people, like asking for their passwords or something. Sometimes it would, it seemed like it would work and sometimes it seemed like it would. It seemed like almost it was like whoever was probably working at the AOL office if they wanted to look into it or not. I remember reading something and it was about the problem with the pedos or something. And I was saying like, well, we take our members chat room privacy very seriously. So we can't like look at the chat logs unless there's like a police investigation or something like that. AOL like would just like to protect the pedophiles, which is I, I guess how basically all this all started like with the AOL program. The guy was pissed off about that who wrote it. Right. And like, I remember I used to go into some of those private rooms and mess with those guys and virus those guys and stuff like that. Like there was a, I remember there was a private room free, which basically meant for like preteen. Somehow AOL like didn't shut that down. Like they would shut down the hacking chat rooms. It made no sense. Right. So I would like go in there and post as like an underage girl and virus guys and like <laughs> send them password stealers. Nice. And then like some of the guys would like just be instant messaging and they'd be like, Oh, where are you from? Like, you know, and then they'd, they'd, they'd like want to call for phone sex and I'd look up the FBI's phone number and I'd give them the FBI's phone number to call. It's so funny. Yeah, I really enjoyed doing that. But like, and at the time, I don't even think, like, I knew it was like these people were bad, but like, and I knew they were creepy. But now, like, I looking back on it, now that I'm older, it was even more creepy than I realized. Right. Yeah, no, that's totally true. Like, the fact that AOL kind of protected these losers, like, I just, I don't even understand. Like, that should have been their number one, like, goal to get, like, get these people arrested or whatever. And they did nothing. And yet they would, like, shut down hacking chat rooms and, like, mass mail rooms. I remember being, like, in mass mail rooms and, like, Catwatch would come in and boot you offline. Right. But but then, like, the preteen room, oh, that's okay. Yeah, you guys can just do whatever you want in there. It's, it's all the money, right? So the I believe what happened with the Juarez scene during that time, there's the two FBI operations, and you know, you know some of that software costs like twenty five thousand dollars, and the FBI got pressure from from businesses, and so then AOL had to do something about it. But no one was pressuring AOL about all the pedos. There's there was no money in that, right? AOL is just they were trying to increase their bottom line. Yeah, I mean there was a lot of crazy stuff going on back then. So why did you leave AOL? I just didn't enjoy it as much anymore. Like, it, you know, I didn't care about like cracking anymore. You know, I didn't spam anymore. You know, I still, I still had a bunch of passwords and I, and I would still, even though I like kind of left the scene, I would still go on and sub seven people. Cause I really, that was kind of the, like the last thing I enjoyed doing. So I would just kind of like send out sub seven stuff and get like people's IPs and still do that. You explain what sub seven is. Sub7 was a program that you would send them a file, and if they ran it, 
you, you would get their IP address. And with sub seven, you put the IP address in as long as they had ran the file. You could basically connect to, to their computer and do whatever the hell you want on their computer. Like you could see what they're doing while they're on it. And you could like open their CD ROM drive and stuff like that and just kind of drive people nuts. And you could, you know, you could delete their hard drive if you wanted to. I think you could print to their printer too, right? Yeah, you could do all sorts of weird stuff. So just like to random strangers or, or is it like specific people or what? Yeah, mostly, mostly just random people. Wow, that's cold. Like I, I remember there was a, I think it was called Matrix. And if you did that, like a huge chat box would just cover their whole screen and like your chat box would be like 90% of it and their chat box would be 10% of it. And you could just like scare the shit out of people. Big rush. <laughs> yeah, it was fun. That was kind of like the end of it for me though. Like just doing that. And then even then I kind of just stopped going on AOL altogether. And I think my last sub seven victims, I would just send stuff out to people on Yahoo chats. Oh, so you went to not just AOL, but Yahoo? Yeah, Yahoo had like chat rooms and like, I don't know, the people there were kind of like noobs. Like it just seemed like you could just act like you're a girl and say you're sending them a picture and I would just change the exe file to dot scr. Ooh, yeah, that'll do it. And people just ran it. I did that on AOL though too. Like, so I got a lot of like people to run passwords dealers or sub seven or whatever. Uh, I would change it to dot scr and like I'd go to the wrestling chat rooms and be like, uh, Sable was one of the woman wrestlers there and I would just call it Sable dot scr and it'd be like, get your Sable screensaver. And then, you know, it was, and it was dot scr. So they think it was a screensaver and they would just all run it. Yeah. It's so funny because screensavers actually were exes back then. Yeah. You could just, you just change the dxe to dot scr and it just, it ran just like an executable. <laughs> It's so funny. There was like no protection back then, and just it, it was great. And then like the ports, right? The subs that I ran over were just you know open on people's routers, right? Right. Like even on sub seven, like you could just scan IP addresses, and if and if somebody had ran one of the sub seven files and you didn't put it password protected, like anybody who scanned their IP could just get on their computer, basically. It's kind of similar. Have you are you familiar with Shodan at all? No. What's that? So uh, Shodan, I believe it's Shodan.io, it's basically a record of open ports on the internet. And so it, it scans the internet at a certain interval and it will show you, let's say, all of the webcams that are just open to the world right now and uh, all of the Elasticsearch clusters, for example. So sometimes I poked around some of those and a lot of times there's like a message in them that like, we've encrypted your Elasticsearch cluster. But beyond that, um, if someone put like, a, let's say, um, a, a web shell or something, right? Unless you pass or protect it, someone else can just hop on the web shell, right? And do what they want. So it's kind of interesting. Yeah, that's really interesting. I had never even heard of that. Yeah, Shodan's pretty interesting. Can you talk about your spamming? Like why you started spamming? A lot of the, my friends were doing it and making thousands of dollars a month. Interesting. That's a lot at that young of an age. Yeah, but like I was always like paranoid of getting in trouble with my parents. So basically, I had a friend at school and I said, Hey, if I could put your name here and your social security number, 
you get the checks, you give me half the money deal. And he's like, yeah, so, so that's what happened. And one day they got a letter from a lawyer to his house representing cyber entertainment saying that we were spamming on AOL. And that was the end of that. Interesting. So what was the social security number for, for like tax reporting purposes for like the company you're getting paid for the spamming? It's, yeah. Cyber entertainment was just like, I don't know. It would be like these porn sites and like you would spam it out. And anytime somebody signed up, you would get like 30 bucks or something. And the only reason we even got in trouble is we go to pay per click and then somehow all of a sudden we get a letter from a lawyer. Like, I don't think they cared until we went for to pay per click. You know, then then all of a sudden they magically cared about the spam. Huh. I wonder why. I don't know, but that's, the, you know, I'm pretty sure that's what happened. Per click to go to the site or per Yeah, click? like you would you'd basically, uh, you'd I'd make like an Angel Fire page or something like that that all it had was a banner for like the porn site we were spamming. And if somebody clicked the banner, once we went to pay per click, you know, we would get however many cents a click or whatever it was. Oh, and so instead of sign up, it was. Yeah. It was so the sign ups, they didn't care. They just, I don't think they really cared. But when we went to pay per click, then, oh, this guy's spamming, you know. Maybe it was easier to track to a specific user account with a pay per click versus the actual sign up, right? Yeah, I have no idea. But once that happened, I was still in the scene for probably another year, roughly. That was kind of the beginning of me slowing down on AOL was when we got that letter from the lawyer. Interesting. I'm still, still mulling over the difference between the sign-up and the click. They didn't like that you were sending a bunch of traffic, collecting money for people that weren't signing up um, because you were spamming it. Okay, now it makes sense. Basically, also, like, what I did with the sign-up is steal credit card numbers. And I was always too paranoid. Like, I didn't even want to use it myself. But I would just go to one of the hacking rooms and be like, hey, who wants a free card? And somebody would message me and I'd be like, okay, but you got to do something for me. And I'd give them the link and say, you got to sign up here with that card. <laughs> and they would. And so that was like a way to get like signups while I was spamming also. So before it was a pay-per-click, it was just spamming. And then if they signed up with like your code or something or how'd that work? Yeah. Like if they clicked the banner and signed up, I would get like 30 bucks or whatever. Okay, so they, they click the banner, probably a cookie drops in their system, and then they sign up, uh, and then it, their, their referral fee goes to you. Right. But then when you change the model to just click, they probably saw that they were getting a bunch of traffic, but nobody was signing up, but they were paying you a lot more. Uh, I wonder if it was more like they were paying you for nothing and they got mad. Well, we were also probably getting less signups because at that point, you know, I had no reason to go and steal cards and give them to people to sign up for my page. But I just found it kind of funny that the site didn't seem to care that I was getting all these stolen credit card signups as long as they were getting their signups. You know? But once you go to pay per click, oh, you're out of here. Where'd you get the cards from? Um, we had this program. I don't remember who originally gave it to me, but whoever wrote it did a really good job. And it was an executable file. And if somebody like, ran the executable five to ten minutes later it would make it look like aol sent you a message saying that they lost your credit card info like it would freeze your aol but it would like it looks so real like you couldn't get back to aol until you got out of the program but like it looked like aol and it wouldn't go like right away after they ran it you know it'd probably take like 10 minutes 
And so it like it seemed really real and a lot of people who had that program got a lot of cards. But I I you know, I didn't make a ton of money. But you know, for being at high school it was still nice to have some extra cash, you know. Yeah, I bet in terms of ethics and stuff, you're talking about the little devil in the beginning, right? When you look back at it now, what are your thoughts on it? Um, I regret not making more money spamming. <laughs> that's probably sounds horrible to say, but you know, if I wasn't, I was always just so scared of like getting caught and stuff. So I kind of just tamed it down. You know, I just never wanted to like get into trouble, but like looking back on it at the time, like literally nobody I knew got into trouble. And most of the people I knew made a decent amount of money. So I do kind of regret that, but yeah. And like looking back, you know, a lot of it, yeah, it's kind of bad. Like doing that, I would never do that stuff now, but it was just a moment in time. I guess you had to be there. Yeah. I'm thinking about it. If you like think about like the forensic trail. So the cracked account sends the uh, malicious executable that puts something on top of the screen. Somebody manually types in their credit card number and sends it off, right? To be able to equate the charges on the porn site to that user running the executable and sending it to your email address, I I guess I, I find it very hard to believe that in the 90s, the various private companies and like law enforcement would go through all the trouble to tie all of that together. You'd have to like get a subpoena from like, let's say a Yahoo account or Hotmail or whatever, right? You'd have, you'd have to get that for the specific account that the person sent the email to, but they didn't even know they sent it, right? Cause the email is deleted. And so at that point, you'd actually have to have AOL look through a record of sent emails that the end user deleted. And who knows if they were even keeping those at the time, right? So I'm just wondering why it was so effective. And I think maybe that's why. And like, and with that specific program, I think it might have even sent the email through Winsock, like from just like a fake email or something, to where that that email didn't actually come from their AOL account, if I remember oh. correctly. Oh, 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 okay. So you bring up a really interesting point. So even today, you you, you can still spoof email. That's like actually pretty perfect. Um, that specific program, that was like, that one was probably. Late 99, it probably that one came out. I, I don't know who wrote it, but it was, it was really good. Like whoever programmed that was like a genius. Yeah. So, I mean, let's just say like Visa or something realized that there was stolen credit cards to sign up for some particular site for them to be able to figure out what like, everybody had in common. And let's just say it was sable.scr, right? Right. For example. And who's going to like tell Visa, yeah, I was trying to look at a naked picture of this wrestler. You know what I mean? I, I just, I just don't see them connecting. The yeah. You know what like I, mean? I didn't, I didn't do that many, but I know people who did and none of the people I knew ever got caught. And I just, I don't think they would even really be able to figure it out. I think that the way it would have to happen is the, the, the adult site would have to have web logs and record the IP address for, for each sign up, right? And then you'd have to pull the logs for everybody that signed up with a malicious credit card and see if it all traces back to like the same IP addresses. Um, and in that case, you could get a subpoena to find out who is using that IP address. So it depends if they're using a proxy. It could be done maybe, but it, it would be, it, you have to wonder about the level of effort here, right? Especially if it's talking to like a couple thousand, right? Or, or I mean, I don't know the scale, but I mean, for me personally, like I, I had a ton that I just never even did anything with. Sometimes I would just go to some of the hack rooms and just give them away. But that made you popular. 
Yeah. I mean, cause I was just, I, I really was, I was like paranoid of like getting caught with that kind of shit. And I just, but it was like fun to me. And like, I knew these guys would go and use them and I'm like, all right, here you guys go. I don't want this. Hey, so what are you up to these days? I'm a professional poker player. Really? Oh, that's awesome. Do you play professionally on the internet or, or did, did you, before the pandemic, did you play like in person in tournaments and stuff or, or how, how's that work? I, I've primarily played online, mostly. Occasionally I'll play in the casinos and I, I've played some tournaments. I play mostly cash games though. And, uh, I also play daily fantasy sports professionally also. That's really interesting. I, I know there's, I think it was like in the late nineties, there was a lot of DDoS attacks against gambling sites. You know, and they'd be losing millions of dollars a day. And so it was like, a, it was like you know, do we pay up or not? Because if, if they do, then it's just going to keep happening again, like, you know, a week later, right? Uh, and the price is going to keep going up. And then I think I remember there was a couple of cases where people would try to get other people on the poker sites to run malware. And so they could see their cards or, or do other things at the platform. Right yeah, that had ha- there was that had happened. Not a ton, but that there was some instances where it happened. Like there was a couple like high profile instances. I remember one where somebody was like kind of friends with the guy, but he went to his house and ran it on his computer, you know, without him knowing. And then some random guys playing him heads up and destroying him. And then eventually they figured it out. But yeah, it is kind of funny that like, you know, I basically have ended up working the majority of my life online. Have you ever heard about any of the bugs uh, in some of like the video poker games, like the casinos? No, I haven't. I, I hardly, I don't really play the casino games. I think I actually hit the bug once. I was like in this casino in Africa. I won like five hundred dollars, and like this machine, it just like kept paying out. Later, when I learned about it, I'm like, oh, I must have triggered it inadvertently. But of course, you know, as soon as I I won that, they started offering me like free beer after free beer, and you know, before I knew it, I like blew it all in blackjack. But, um, yeah, eventually I think there was someone that was like trying to exploit the blog. And of course, casino staff realized it and the guy got arrested and stuff. But, um, I'm not sure if he, if they actually prosecuted him or not. I haven't really gotten too deep into like what the laws are around like exploiting uh, something that's actually in the game, you know? But the, there was like the guy on, you ever heard of Press Your Luck? Yes. Yeah. With, with like the whammies. Yeah. Did you hear about the whole scandal with that? No, I didn't. There's a guy that figured out the pattern, and I guess he won for like weeks on the show, and they they like couldn't get him off the show. They couldn't figure out how he was winning and stuff. And I think it ended, I think the whole the whole story like ends in tragedy or something, like somebody dying or whatever. But uh, yeah, he he figured it out, and so they they couldn't kick him off the game, um, because he wasn't breaking any rules, but he had figured out like the pattern. Wow, that's pretty crazy. Yeah, I used to love that show. Yeah, that's. I would have never even like thought about trying to figure out a pattern with that. Oh, I did want to touch on uh, one of the programs I made and I didn't send this one to anybody. It was just, I made like a windsock spammer. This was probably a few months before we got caught or whatever, but there was a little community college next to my high school and we would have classes there still some, like sometimes some of our classes would be there and we could like use the computers. And so I made, and, and like a lot of times if you logged in, like the workers there just like didn't care if you didn't log out, like you're supposed to log out, but you know, not everybody did. And I made this windsock spammer and I would just go to school and load it up on the community college computers. And, you know, I would have like the email list 
and I and I made the program so once you click start, it disappears. And so I was spamming on the college computers for a little bit before we got in trouble. Did you just use like their SMTP server? I don't even remember. It was just like it was just like a Winsock spammer. Like I could run it anywhere and it would just like it would be like sending people email probably from just like a spoofed email or whatever. It just made it so the program would disappear. So I would go to school and just load it up and walk away. And then eventually they'd shut the computer off. But Right. You get the window handle and you do like the, the hide window function. But I'm, I'm wondering, like, it has to go through a mail server. So I'm wondering, maybe you just had found a mail server or was this in the code that you had? I, I don't remember exactly how it worked, but that, that was like one of the last programs I made. Interesting. It sounds like a very efficient way to do spamming and I have it traced back to you. Except that it was running on your account, right? <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, if they, if they wanted to, if they really cared, but no, nobody cared back then. Like that's true. They, 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 they really didn't, and you could kind of just get away with whatever. Do you have uh, any other questions or comments? Maybe your fondest memory from back then, or why you think you enjoyed it so much. It might be interesting. Oh, my fondest memory. I don't, I don't know if there's like one specific one. I think it was just like kind of the, the feeling that once you get in and you're kind of like accepted by these other hackers and the chat rooms and stuff, it's like, and then you become close friends online with some of them. Like it almost feels like you had like a crew, like almost like in the movie Goodfellas or something. You felt like you had some like online gangster crew, really. <laughs> and that was probably my fondest memory just over the years, just having like the friends on there that you were doing all this stuff with and just talking to on a daily basis. That's true. It's kind of like um, today where people form like clans and stuff online. Right. And it, it's kind of like you had like your own like clan or crew and uh, people could share stuff and you have like a sense of accomplishment, right? Yeah. It's just, it was just, you know, it, it all happened so fast too. Like when I think about it within like, a month, you know, I, I was friends with just a bunch of the guys in those rooms. It's like, it's almost like, you know, they accepted me pretty quickly. Getting, you know, into programming, getting into cracking, doing all that stuff. It all happened just like almost instantly. Just through a little collaboration with some people, right? How did you get the internal accounts and the, and the overhead accounts? Did you just crack them or? Yeah, we would. Occasionally they, they'd be stupid and run a password stealer. The two guys I did it with, they were named Ice and Buffalo and somehow they would get list of overhead and internal accounts. You know, they'd say, okay, here, you try to crack these, you know, and they'll try to crack those. Interesting. But then eventually they started getting like the secure ID or whatever it was for the, the internal accounts. So like you would crack it, then you couldn't get in though without like the secure code. And that was, that was kind of when we kind of stopped cracking. But I do remember like sometimes being on accounts like guide accounts. And when they would catch you on there, they would like log you off. And on the log off screen, they could like write a comment on there. Like, you know, after it would say, you know, goodbye, if you had the, the sound wave file, like on that screen, they could like whoever bumped you off could like write something. And I remember one time it said busted and like. Oh, really? Yeah, and I was like scared that I was going to get in trouble. And I talked to a couple of guys like, oh, no, that's just somebody typing it to scare you. And sure enough, it was true. But there's still a lot of that, I think, today. Uh, I think a couple of times, at least, 
people have like asked me, they're like, oh yeah, like I have this friend who got an email and then the subject, it's their password, like the, the password they always use. And that's the subject of the email. Like if you saw an email and the subject was like your favorite password that you always use, you probably open it. So anyway, like the content of the email says, I saw you going to like some explicit websites and I turned on your webcam and reported you. And now I'm going to send like these videos of you to everyone in your contact list. If you don't send me like $40 in Bitcoin or whatever it is. Right. And that was pretty effective. Um, they would send them the ransom or whatever. Right. And of course, as soon as you send them anything, then they're going to keep harassing you and try to get as much money as possible, keep threatening you. But uh, I believe the term is, it's a portmanteau, it's called sexploitation. And really it's, they got a, a dump of usernames and passwords and they just emailed everybody in the list of the dump, uh, this, you know, the same basic email. Um, and it's uh, extremely effective. That's definitely like really a creative way to scare people and get, especially if you're asking for like a somewhat small amount of money also. If you're right. like, oh, give me $10,000 or I'm going to send it, most of the people are just not going to do it. If you say 40 bucks, a lot of people are probably going to do it. Yeah, definitely. It got so bad, this one company I was working at, we had to actually just ban the word Bitcoin from this all all email inboxes. And then we had to ban the, the word wallet because they would change the B in Bitcoin to be a different character, like a different Unicode. So the the the, the, the B wasn't a normal B. Uh, so it it's, it's really interesting, like the whole cat and mouse game with a lot of this stuff yeah that's there there's so much crazy stuff going on online now just so many like hackers and people doing all that stuff it's, it's much different than you know when when we were involved <laughs> yeah like, it, it's just it's so much different like now it's like these people are they're really good at what they do well yeah it's true so a lot of times if you look at the the ransomware situation right There'll be a developer that, that develops a ransomware toolkit and then in the dark web marketplace, you, you can even like rent out like botnets, right? Or you can like, um, you know, sell access to a, a ransomware toolkit. So you don't even have to know how to program to use them, right? So someone develops it and somebody runs it, right? And someone, someone gets a list of people to send it to. It's like a business in some cases, right? It's, it's kind of weird how like operationalized a lot of the stuff's become. Yeah. It's, it's way over my head. <laughs> That's for sure. Cool. Well, um, it's been really great talking with you today. Thanks for taking the time to go down memory lane with all this. Yeah, thanks. Uh, thanks for doing it. I'm looking forward to hearing more interviews. It just, you know, it really brings back old memories, and it's, you know, it's it's kind of cool because, you know, a lot of people were involved in it, and it's just something that's, you know, not really talked about. It's almost like kind of like forgotten. At the time, it was a really big deal. It's true. It, it really was. To a lot of people, it was a really big deal. And I feel like everyone kind of just grew up and forgot about it. Um, but some of us didn't. But it's nice to kind of look back on it and just realize like how far we've come since that time. And then also realize like, it's never going to be another AOL. I don't think. Uh, right. There, there's just, it's, yeah, it's just, there's no way. It's just the internet's too different now. People who were old enough to remember when they first got on the internet in the 90s, you know, the majority of them used AOL, whether they were in this scene or not. You know, it was, it was a wild time, like with the chat rooms and everything. Now it's like, I can't even remember the last time I was in a chat room. Yeah, me either. And I mean, and if, and if you, you were, you probably left after like a minute. <laughs> yeah, I, I can't even remember. 
Yeah, I think what's interesting is the people that you end up collaborating with, every single one of them had to have been in a chat room, seen somebody run a program like AO Hell, and they were they had to ask the question why, and they were curious enough to keep asking why. And that's how everybody kind of ended up in the same private chat rooms talking about creating programs and stuff because everybody was curious enough to keep asking why and then being like, that's cool, right? <laughs> right. And like so many people had the programs, like even people who weren't in the scene, you know, like I remember uh, my friend's neighbor going over to his place and, you know, he wasn't in the scene, but he had a punter and he was trying to pump people offline. There is. Like there, you know, just so many people ended up getting these programs. I do wonder like what happened to some of those programmers who helped me out. And those guys were like legitimately really good. Like I just wonder if they stuck with it or what, what ended up happening to them. But you know, it's long gone. I'll probably never be able to find any of those guys. So yeah. Right. Well, thanks for taking the time to, to chat with me today. I appreciate it. Yeah. Thanks. Thanks for doing this.